Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, hello, hello. I am Tracy Otsuka, and I want to welcome you to episode 22 of ADHD for Smartass Women. And in this episode, we are going to do something new. It is our first interview, and it is with procrastination coach, Dr. Christine Lee. Dr. Lee is a licensed clinical psychologist with practices in New York City and Westchester, New York. And as I just mentioned, she's also a procrastination coach who has conducted procrastination workshops and trainings at Columbia, New York Presbyterian Medical School, Fordham University, Barnard College, the list goes on and on. And as I said, she's the first person ever to be interviewed on our podcast. I met Dr. Lee at a conference and I just knew I had to have her on. So welcome, Christine, if we can start there. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to be your first interview. I'm so thankful to you and excited. Well, when I mentioned your name in our Facebook group a couple weeks ago, ADHD for Smartass Women, one of our members said, I freaking love that something called a procrastination coach exists, that yes, this is really a thing. And so I would love to know your background as far as how you ended up with a specialty in procrastination. I'd never heard of that. Well, that's because I made it up. I was searching for domain names many years ago, and the term was not taken yet. And I said that evening, I didn't procrastinate on that one. I said that evening, I need to grab this domain name, and I need to start teaching what I know. And the way I got to know how to treat people with procrastination problems is by going through the process myself. I learned over many years, how to do the work, how to get over my anxiety, how to start being my best, fullest self without feeling ashamed or embarrassed or behind. And I just feel like it's my mission at this point. Since I'm recovered, I I feel like I need to rescue everyone else. I would love to rescue everyone else if that's that's my goal. <laughs> so, uh, and the rest of the time, I'm a regular clinical psychologist in New York and in Westchester. And I enjoy both elements of my work, both the in-person work and then my work in the online space. Well, I always say that uh, the best teachers are teachers who've actually gone through what it is that their clients are then trying to go go through. 
if you've never experienced it, I don't know how you even offer. I mean, it, to me, I just, even with the ADHD, you know, I now have this theory that if you don't have ADHD and you're a therapist or a doctor or whatever, it's really hard for you to give me advice because you haven't walked in my shoes. And I feel the same way about this subject of procrastination. Um, I, think, I think you're onto something. I've, I feel that my brain is a little bit mini ADD. And I do enjoy working with clients with ADD and ADHD because I think our brains work just slightly differently. And I think you're right that we might listen with a a different kind of ear and have a little bit more to offer sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. So let's start with, so what I did initially is I put a posting in our Facebook group and I asked people, what do you, where do you struggle with? You know, where do you struggle in, not with, where do you struggle in procrastination? And I, I got a lot of questions. And the first one, which was the biggest one, of course, was two-pronged. Why do we procrastinate? And what is procrastination protecting us from? Isabel Baker is the one who, who asked that question. So can we start there? Sure. The reasons why we procrastinate are, I think, multi-determined. But one of the most, the biggest roots, I think, of procrastination is our fear. And all of us human beings are filled with fear sometimes, sometimes not so much, but we all have had the experience of having a fear that has held us back from something that we otherwise know is doable by ourselves, that the fear story that we have in our heart kind of trumps the reality that we need to get something done, that we need to go someplace, that we need to be a certain way. And those fears can really fuel our procrastination. So it's really fear and anxiety. And in my case, I have found that it's a little bit of disorganization too. It's not just fear. Sometimes you're not born organized. I was definitely not born organized. And that has had some consequences. I have a little more clutter than I can really manage at any one time sometimes, but I know that there's a way around that now that I can bring that back into order when I just apply myself and give myself a little bit of time and grace to do that. So fear is really the big reason of why. And of course, there are multiple types of fears. We have the fear of uncertainty. We have the fear of judgment. We have a fear of failure. We have a fear of chaos. We have sometimes have a fear of finishing things. So the fears are as diverse as we are. And we just have to give ourselves grace and know that everyone is afraid of something. And we can just get past that with a little bit of mindset reset and a little bit of coaching sometimes, and maybe a little bit of podcast listening. I am sure your members and your listeners learn a lot from you and they get courage from you. And really it's okay to reach out for help. I'm just going to throw that in there early on in the podcast that, you know, we're all here. We're all in the same boat in some ways, and it is okay to reveal that you need help, that you're struggling, that you don't know exactly what to do next. It is okay, and we've all been there. Yeah, you know, certainly with the ADHD brain, I think they're all brains are wired differently. But even more than that, every ADHD brain is wired differently. So what works for me may not work for you. And I really think the, you know, what we bring to the table here is that it's all a puzzle. 
And everybody has an ADHD puzzle that's different. And so when you can test and try out different things, you'll be surprised how quickly you can move forward once you figure out your ADHD puzzle. It's not, oh my gosh, you have ADHD, you're broken, you know, it's a disorder. That's just not my MO. When I look at procrastination and I look at that, the end result is to figure out what works for you. Yeah. Now, especially with our brains where I like that you say, okay, fear's one, but disorganization is another one. And I definitely feel that the disorganization is a problem for many of us. So I think that because we don't have a linear brain, we're just more apt to procrastinate. You brought up a lot of wonderful points about the non-linearity of of the ADHD brain. And I'm going to take this opportunity to answer the second part of the question, which was, what is procrastination protecting us from? And I Mm -hmm. think it's protecting us from seeing the parts of us that we wish we're a little bit stronger, we're a little bit better developed, we're a little bit smoother. So it might be that part of us that has difficulty putting things in a sequence, that has difficulty showing up on time, that has difficulty feeling not broken. And so procrastination can be this kind of all-encompassing umbrella for the things that we want to keep secret and out of view. And uh, I think, of course, that has a lot of consequences because in, in essence, we render ourselves invisible, paralyzed, silent, and that is not great for productivity. Those stances are just killers of productivity. Wow. And and I guess that's fear then, right? Yes. This fear of being found out. Yeah. The, the, I would say like this imposter thing, right? Absolutely. And I... I know I've heard of the term imposter syndrome for years and years and years, but I only recently got more interested in digging deeper into that syndrome because I think a lot of really accomplished women have this underlying fear of being an imposter. And I thought that connection was interesting, that it's the people who really have a lot of firepower, a lot of brain power, and a lot of maybe social clout and influence are struggling with this feeling that they're really not all that's all, all you know, the the big the big deal that they privately are holding this fear that they're not enough was very interesting to me. And I just think it's that when we're maybe gaining influence that we're just not used to feeling the feeling of being known, of feeling big. And sometimes we come from backgrounds where we're actually used to feeling quite small and voiceless and unseen. So it's that contrast that makes us feel like we're in the wrong place. We must be fooling everyone. And that one of these days, somebody's going to find us out and expose us to the world. Absolutely. And I think with the ADHD brain, that's even more prominent because there's always this underlying feeling that there's something not quite right, but we don't know what it is. And and I know for me personally, you know, even in school, I mean, I, you know, I went to college, I went to law school, I went to graduate law school, but I always felt as if my grades didn't quite reflect 
Like, I always thought I was smarter than I could actually present. And I remember I had a roommate in graduate law school, and she was already a partner at a firm, but she had some personal things going on. So she decided to go back and get a degree in securities, a master's in law and securities. And she would take my notes that I would spend days and even weeks preparing. She would take them the night before, and it never failed. She always did better than I did, even though I had put all the notes together. I had done all the preparation. I had been working on it for weeks. And I, I would think, you know, I must just not be very smart. <laughs> but the reality of it was that I knew underlying all this that I was smart. I just couldn't show it in the way that a lot of people could. Yeah. And I think our traditional education system in this country Oh, don't get me started. Does a lot of people, as you know, a big yes. disservice. And that we cannot judge our intelligence, our wits, our intuition by external factors. And it's a it's a mechanism that we have come to agree upon here, but it's certainly not always accurate. It's certainly not always an indicator of anything that's really truly meaningful. And uh, we, we all need to agree upon a system, but of course there are some students who, for whom the, our system does not serve well at all. Let me ask you then, one of the members in our group, Donna Flaherty, she said that she feels this debilitating feeling of overwhelm at times when she's procrastinating. And so her question was, how do I get out of that? What are some steps that I can take? Sure. Well, I will answer that question about how to get out of overwhelm and also tie up what we were just talking about, about Mm -hmm. taking our grades and, and what we're doing externally and relating that to how smart we are. I think we want to break apart the one-to-one relationship between who we are and what we're doing. So who we are is just whole. We are whole, W-H-O-L-E, being. (laughs) And we come as we are. We are all brilliant in some way. We are all magical for sure. And we can't let that be jeopardized by some perspective about our grades, our salary, where we live, how we look, what we're dressed in, what kind of car we're driving, anything that's external to us. Whenever we tie our self-esteem and our self-worth to something that's external to ourselves, we're going to feel overwhelmed. We're going to feel like we have a desperate need to get the highest salary, to get the best car, to get the best boyfriend, whatever it is, whatever you've pinned it upon will cause you to feel overwhelmed. And so sometimes it's our work. We feel, well, I'm not anything if I can't get this done well. Well, it's just a matter of whether you can get the work done. It has nothing to do whether you're a good, valuable person in society. It really doesn't. It's just a piece of work. And so I really encourage people to kind of diminish the drama, lower the drama level, so that you can actually focus, so that you can feel good about what is coming out of your brain, the creativity that is there, just waiting to spring out. Sometimes the overwhelm is all that we have because we're just so used to it. We're used to looking at everything all at once, all at the same time, all in one view. And yes, we're going to feel overwhelmed. Who wouldn't with all the things that we have to do these days. There are sometimes a hundred things on our to-do list. And yes, we're going to feel overwhelmed if we don't just limit our view when we can. When we know we have to get things done, we should narrow our focus down to even one item so that we don't feel overwhelmed. And 
I think it's great that Donna even asked the question because it's just a reflection that she desires something more. She wants focus. She wants not to have this feeling all the time. And by the way, these are just feelings. These are all things that are transient and ephemeral and sometimes just thoughts, I think, that we use to fill our blank spaces in our minds. So try not to be so afraid of your own thoughts and try to get down to business when you can. Okay. So to to take that question a step further, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but how do you actually do that? Because isn't what what's happening with them is, okay, they're either in their past, like all the things they didn't do that they wish they would have done, or they're in the future, you know, with anxiety and worry about, you know, all the things that are there in the future. And so what is what you are saying that they just need to focus on the right here and the right now and block it out as simple as one or two tasks. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it may be a struggle for the ADD, ADHD brain, just a slight, a slightly tougher road because there's more thoughts going around. There are more (laughs) enticing distractions. There's more of an interest in everything that's going on. And so you also have to add in kindness to yourself that it may take you a few extra minutes. It may take you three tries, but that the goal is the same. The goal is the same for everyone that we focus in on one thing in the present moment without fear of what is happening around the item, around that to-do list item, that we're not afraid of what's going to come up next. And we're not afraid of everything that we didn't do before. We're just giving ourselves a brand new slate in the moment. Yeah. I love that. I love it because when you're focusing on that one thing you need to do, and I know i talk about this all the time for the ADHD brain, we are emotion the only way we're going to get anything done is through positive emotion. If there's any negative emotion, and this is for any brain, but especially for those of us with ADHD, if there's negative emotion around it, we're just not going to be able to move it forward because there is no dopamine firing off in our brain. So what you're saying is if you focus on that one thing and you get it done, there's going to be positive emotion and that will motivate you to keep going. Absolutely. And it's the exact opposite of the procrastination habit where we don't do something, we develop a criticism towards ourselves, Ah. and then we start a negative cycle. And we want to just reverse the cycle. And you said it beautifully to just get one thing done, start the positive cycle, start the feedback going in a totally different direction. And I think it's easier said than done sometimes, but it really does work. It's just behavioral psychology. It's animals do it, humans do it. And we all respond to these reinforcement patterns. We get sad when we're not doing things and we get happy when things start getting done. By using your process, then we are teaching ourselves how to internally motivate ourselves rather than looking for external motivation like deadlines or someone's got to work with you or, you know, all these things that help too, Yes, but they're stressful, right? Perfectly said. Could not have said that better myself. You said something else, not today, but I've, I've seen it in writing that I just loved and I never thought of it. And I think it kind of ties in. You said in high school, we learned directly and indirectly to associate stress with productivity. And that just was like, it just hit me over the head because I absolutely have this sense that if I'm not like, I sort of pride myself on it. You know, I like the fact that I'm, you know, super busy and high energy, but over time, 
you don't get anything more done feeling that way. And I think it burns you out. Yeah. And we all know these days that stress can cause illness and burnout mm-hmm. and all these other things that we don't want, right? We, we, feel like we're too fried to focus. <laughs> so I think some amount of stress can be fun and give you that that <laughs> little boost that you might need. But to insist that you need this feeling, otherwise you're not concentrating or you're not taking the work seriously, I think that's a lie. I think that is something that we just get from the high school experience. They weren't teaching that to us directly, but everyone was getting stressed in the same way. We were all overwhelmed with the amount of work that we had to do. And we did we none of us had enough time to do everything that was asked of us. I think that's a common experience of the high school student. And that we learned that stress that we come to associate stress with working. And I am here talking to you just to try to break that connection for people that you can work really well and not have stress in your heart. I have done that for myself over many years and with lots of help from very kind supporters and supervisors and therapists. And I want to share with you that it's possible for you guys too. And don't you think, Christine, that certainly with you know the ADHD brain that is very creative, that's nonlinear, that we actually become more creative the less stress we have in our life. I really subscribe to that idea. I like to say we do well when we feel well. And I do. Oh, I love well, that. Thank I love you. That. I like it too. And I think creativity is something that we have naturally. So I would encourage your listeners to not feel like it's everything's outside of you or that you have to struggle so hard to come up with that new idea. When you sit in silence or when you relax a little bit, you might find, oh, there's a rush of a thought, or there's that dream that came in the middle of the night, or wow, looking at this book on my shelf gave me the memory of that. And then when your brain starts being in real flow, you can see that you get more material out and that you can play with it more. You're not so stressed out and you're not tight in your body. And I think you can play a lot more. I love it. I love it. So Stephanie Sofield asked, and this is kind of an extension of what we're, t- we're speaking about, but I want to answer her question directly. How do you stop the guilt after procrastination has taken over? What a wonderful, wonderful, powerful question. I like to just start by saying guilt is one of the most useless feelings I think I've come across in 20 years of being a therapist and psychologist. I feel that guilt is kind of a placeholder. It it indicates something, but we tend to just drag it out. You know, maybe we're supposed to feel a twinge of guilt or sadness about our actions, but we're not supposed to suffer in guilt. I think that might be something we're trained into as well, that we're guilty people. We have to carry around shame. And I just don't feel guilt is helpful. Guilt is like anxiety. It's supposed to be an indicator of something. It's not supposed to be a driver of our action, and it's not supposed to block us from new action. Do you think it's a feeling that we need to pay attention to it because it's our body telling us something, but perhaps it's a lie that guilt is tied? Wait, what am I trying to say? That guilt around procrastination is actually pretty useless. It's it's that you have to do something, right? You, you can't just sit there and feel guilty. That does nothing. But 
overwhelms you. And like you said, it's all negative emotion. It's not going to help you move forward. And our negative feelings tend to keep us in the negative feeling zone. So whenever, so guilt, if you feel guilty, you, that might be just a red flag. You're in that negative zone. Mm -hmm. What can you do to get yourself out of it? So let's use it as a signal for change instead of this extra baggage that we're dragging around town every single day. Okay. That's good. What emotions, this is from Hannah Calloway, what emotions do you see as being most closely associated with, we've talked a lot about them actually, most closely associated with the act of procrastination and how could identifying those emotions help you move forward? Great question. I love your followers, by the way. I I think all the feelings are involved in procrastination, right? Even the good ones, like we're, Sometimes we procrastinate in our business because we are kind of afraid of what's coming up next. It might be more exposure. It might be more interviews. It might be more writing that we have to do. And that might all be what we're wanting, but we're afraid of just seeing what's next. And I have a mini theory, maybe it's my big theory, that procrastination exists to protect us from knowing and feeling how abundant we are and how abundant the universe is, that we're really just afraid of everything that is possible from us. And that's all the feelings, right? Right there, that what is there for us in our future? We None of us really know what lies ahead five years from now. And that is both wonderful and amazing and miraculous, but it's also terrifying And so we turn to what we're familiar with. And that oftentimes is staying still, staying small, staying frightened, and staying quiet. And I I know you share the same mission that I do, that we want people to just be out there, to be forceful, uh, to be force-filled, that we're, we're not we're not, um, we're not lazy. We're not unmotivated. We're not uninspired. We're afraid. And so we just have to get educated, get inspired, get support, and then get out there with whatever creative work we need. And emotions are supposed to be a sidekick. They're not supposed to be driving the car. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert said that, that about her own anxiety, that her anxiety will always be a traveling companion, but she's never going to let her anxiety drive the car. That's funny. You know, Martha Beck has a a quote that she says a lot too. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing to remember because we're thinking a lot of stuff just as filler and just to comfort ourselves in some way. And sometimes we get in the habit of comforting ourselves with negativity. And that's a habit that I would like to see everyone break. Rhonda says that she starts procrastinating when she's 60 to 80% done with a task. And I, I think this is probably a common problem. Where this applied that I saw a lot of women referring to was finishing their degrees. And there's a woman that I know personally, her name is Rose, and she says she has struggled with this immensely. And as long as I've known Rose, Rose has said, I need to finish my degree. I need to finish my degree. And I got to tell you, Rose is one of the brightest women that I know. So it's not brain power that prevents her from finishing her degree. What is this about procrastinating when you're pretty close to the end? Like you can kind of see it. Fear again? Absolutely. Or is it boredom? Uh, I I doubt it's boredom. I think it's more of fear of finishing Ah. and that you're close to the end, that you know 
that you have to let go. There, there can be a fear of letting things go, letting things be, because we have this feeling that we have to be in control of everything and that everything depends on us. And when we feel that way, everything ramps up, that, dra- that drama starts to kick in and we start to feel disabled. We start to feel like we don't have what it takes to finish. We, we can't think clearly. We're too frightened. And I think we just have to, that's when we have to step in, take charge, give ourselves real deadlines, tell other people that we're struggling maybe in the last hour and get it done, get it in. And then always, always, always keep your mind on that good feeling that comes when you're done. Remind yourself of that victory dance that you can do. I remember when I finished my dissertation and it was defended, my friend brought me a dozen yellow roses. I will never forget that moment. And it was such a beautiful surprise. We were in the middle of a shopping mall, I think. And it was just such a nice moment. It really was. It wasn't that defense moment. It was that feeling like, wow, now it's time to celebrate. Give yourself that positive vision. You know, Hold that in your mind forefront, not your guilt, not your shame, not your anxiety. Hold the yellow flowers in your mind. Oh my gosh. And that is so important for us with ADHD because I think one of the big problems we have is we'll be working for something and we forget the feeling that's associated with the goal. And then we forget the goal altogether. It sounds like whatever we can do to keep that goal front and center and keep the feeling that we want to, that positive feeling we want to associate with completing the goal, that's going to get us there a lot quicker. Is that what you're saying? Keep the positive feelings front and center, keep the energy high. Mm -hmm. When you feel like your energy is dipping, regroup. It's okay. Give yourself grace. Give yourself that feeling that you can love yourself and be kind to yourself and restart. You don't have to fall off the slide altogether. You know, that it's one big playground. You get to play just as everybody else does and you get to finish. And you don't have to drag these projects on for years and years because then you don't get to do the other projects. You don't get to learn other things and you don't get to take advantage of those new opportunities. So I wonder if the first goal is actually completing the degree, but the bigger goal is all of the things that you're going to be able to do and all the strengths, all of your strengths that you're going to be able to employ um, once you get that degree. Yes. yes. I see it all the time with my dissertation student patients. <laughs> There's such a fear of the unknown and the educational system has housed them and given them their identity and they've taken on that identity, but then they get released to what? Nobody, nobody tells them, nobody guarantees them <laughs> A thing. It's, it's total uncertainty. And I feel like it's a terrible thing to watch, actually. But I always let everyone know everything is better after you graduate. It really is. No one is ever wanting to return to graduate school after they leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so I have, I have a, what do I call it? A scenario, a situation that I'm going to share with you because I heard a lot of women in our group talking about this exact same issue. So I think it's something that a lot of us share. Where I procrastinate the most, I mean, I'm not so bad with work and all of those things. It's in personal relationships. And I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I procrastinate the worst on following up with friends. Now, if they tell me, here's the date, yes or no, 
then I'm totally fine. I can put it in my calendar, no problem. But I tend to be kind of the cruise director. I'm the one who does a lot of the planning, getting people together. And as I've gotten older, and I think my ADHD has gotten worse, it's just has started to irritate me. That you've taken on that role. And That you've taken on that? that role. Well, that I'm always the one who's doing it. But beyond that, I have such a struggle with scheduling and planning. For me to even go into my calendar and figure out what dates, especially things that are far into the future, because number one, I don't know how I'm going to feel once we get there. Number two, I don't know... I don't know what it is, Christine, just to get into that calendar is unnerving to me and it's really difficult. Yes. So you are a combination of a, (laughs) I'm making up these terms, so forgive me here. You're a combination of a superhero and a people pleaser, I think. And in some, maybe around just this topic of scheduling with your friends. So it might be very limited. And I want you to know that I say that with love, that we all have social needs and we want to make them happen. But I would agree with you. Oh, yeah. So let me say, let me, let me add one thing there. Up until I get into the car, I'm kind of like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. But once I get in the car and I'm, and I'm there, I am so happy that I'm there. It's the everything up until getting there that is the problem. But, you know, the thing is, if you want to, I mean, friendships are important, right? And so, I have to be better about this, but I really yes. Struggle what with part it. would you leave behind? What, I'm not sure if what you your had, is. if you could design this system over again, what part, what what part of this scenario would you like to not do anymore? Um, it's the actual scheduling, and when I think back to when this was so much easier for me, it was because my kids were younger, and so we had regular weekly things in the calendar every week. I didn't have to do any of the scheduling or planning. All I had to do yeah. was show up. Can you reinstate that? <laughs> this is so funny, Christine, because you know I met a couple friends at a it was a, a birthday party, and of course I am always the one who throws out, okay, well let's put something together. So we all have like puppies, and I thought let's do a play group for puppies. Like that's so stupid, but I thought that would lock something in, and then we would be doing it, you know, every month or probably every other month. So of course I'm the one who takes on the planning and I think this was in February and I still haven't done anything about it. And I feel so guilty, but I also don't feel guilty enough to actually do something. I would about say it. you could let go of the guilt and then and then right. <laughs> I know, yeah, and, I know. and then see what happens. If everyone forgets about it, maybe nobody was interested in that idea in the first place. It's okay. And that would be totally fine. And if somebody really was interested in it, they can bring up the conversation again. And then you two can decide, let's get a date between us. Whoever can make it will join us. And whoever can't, we'll get you next time. So that it really isn't an all or nothing kind of thing, that it really is that we're all busy. We all have different demands in our schedule and we all have different interests. So some of the people might not be interested in the puppy play date, but other people might really be wanting you to put that together. And so maybe next time you're in that email thread, you just throw out a date and time and say, what does this work for everyone? So that you're not putting the burden on yourself. So it sounds burdensome more than anything. And you just want to let the burden part of it go. You can do all the rest of it without feeling like it's all on you or that it has to get done a certain way and just try it instead. I think part of it is I'm a control freak. (laughs) So I like things done a certain way. So I tend to volunteer, 
But as I've gotten older, and again, as my ADHD has gotten worse, you know, I, I used to always be so reliable in that way. And I'm not as reliable because there's so many other things that I feel like I don't have enough time for. It's, um, I, I want to okay. say, you know, it's okay sometimes to be unreliable, that you're not an unreliable person and that you don't have to be perfect. So there is that pressure that I'm hearing in your voice when you talk about this scenario that you need to have, it's like a need. And whenever we have a need for something to go a certain way, or we have a need for people to act with us in a certain way, that's when we are really vulnerable because we need things to happen a certain way and we need that control to kick in. And then we're, we get anxious and we get worked up and then we get frustrated and then our, our feelings go south. <laughs> so try to make this, try to return the joy back in this scenario and see who's going to follow you. So thank you, first of all. I thought that was really interesting. And I think you're right. I need to bring back the joy into it, stop feeling guilty, and screw it. If I can't be as reliable as I was before because I've got a lot more going on, whatever, right? Absolutely. It all works Enjoy out. it. Enjoy whatever comes of it. <laughs> the SMAC Solution for Procrastination Recovery. I think that's your acronym. And can you just give us a simple walkthrough of how we would apply it when we think that we're Absolutely. procrastinating? Absolutely. So- SMAC was just a, a, a an acronym that I came up with one day while driving, and it seemed to fit everything that I use to help people in their procrastination journey. And in terms, I'll start with your with answering the question of how to how to um, apply this. I want to tell you that if you use just one of these letters on any given day, you're already going to feel better. You're already going to feel more accomplished and more powerful. So you can use this system very flexibly and use it as you need to. So I'll start here by with the letter S and S stands for simplicity. And that means just uncomplicate your life. And you can do this every day. If you got the choice between three things to do, limit it to two and then limit it to one, you know, really just get rid of the clutter, get rid of the bills, get rid of the debt, get rid of the worry. And I know this sounds really fun and it does take some work to get there, but whenever you want to decide where am I going to head, I want to advise you to head towards simplicity, ease. It's kind of like having the red carpet rolled out for you in front of you. Instead of feeling like you've got piles of clutter and undone things in front of you before you can get to your next destination, you want to eventually clear the road for yourself. M is for mindfulness. And by that, I mean just focusing on the present moment and letting everything else kind of drift away. Again, I know it sounds easier easier said than done. But I think when you practice being in the present moment, things tend to get more clear. Like Tracy was suggesting, when we're clear, we have more positive feelings and we have better work. We have more creative work. A stands for anxiety reduction. And of course, as a psychologist, this is one of my highest values and goals for my clients is to help them learn how to reduce their anxiety, to see how their anxiety really isn't their friend oftentimes, and to suggest ways, simple ways, effective ways to get the anxiety to go down. I know that for ADD clients, that exercise oftentimes is a, is very high yes. on the list of effective 
anxiety reduction strategies. So I want to suggest if you're listening to this and you're feeling overwhelmed and chronically anxious, I would say the first thing I would have you do is to develop some sort of exercise habit. It doesn't have to be marathon type. It can just be taking a walk. It could be taking a dip. It could be doing some yoga, just something so that you have a valve for that stress to, to leave your body. And exercise combined with nature is even better. So if there's something that you can do where you can, you know, get your heart rate up, but also be outside, that's probably the best thing. And if you can't do exercise, then at least go and, you know, go garden. Although gardening, I mean, that there is some physical exertion. Absolutely. (laughs) And there's, there's, you're, you're, I love the out, get outdoors tip. And I should mention that as well. Exercise tends to be very powerfully effective. And I think nature has a softer effect on us. It reminds us that we're connected to the universe, that we're in this humongous opportunity and big, big world. And there's a calming effect of being outside in nature as well. And I think that could be really helpful. So C is communication. And I don't think we've spoken too much about communication on this recording today, but it is kind of a secret sauce that when you learn that when you're honest with yourself and with other people, and when you're direct in your communication, things tend to go better. We tend to have fewer misunderstandings. We tend to be on time a little bit more. We tend to know what is required of us at the meeting or at the conference or at the seminar that we can get more focused when everything's been communicated ahead of time. So if you've been silent for a while, talk, make that appointment, make that arrangement, make that puppy play date, communicate and get that anxiety out of you by just being yourself and communicating truthfully. K is the last letter, but I think the most important letter, and that stands for kindness to self. And if we're not kind to ourselves, if we are beating ourselves up secretly, nobody, we smile on the outside, but we're torturing ourselves on the inside. I ask, what good is that? Because really that is just, again, dragging our energy down, making us feel like we're imposters or we're not good enough, or we're too lazy or we're too hopeless. Whatever the internal thought is for you, make sure it's a kind one because you are your fuel. You know, those thoughts are your fuel for your day and for your new projects and for your new business or your new family, whatever it is that you're doing, you need to show yourself kindness and show other people kindness as well. And that will come very naturally when you feel well. So it's the SMAC solution, simplicity, mindfulness, anxiety reduction, communication, and kindness to self. That's great. And so what do you suggest when we are feeling stressed out because we're procrastinating, we're not getting something done, then what you do is just have your, your students walk through the, the, the acronym SMAC and, and see which ones they can focus on in order to get out of that sense of overwhelm and, you know, that we get when we're procrastinating. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the letters right here on my screen. And I would say I typically start with the A. Because anxiety just kind of, it's like a big cloud over us. We can't see clearly. We feel like there's something in our way. We don't feel safe when we're feeling anxious. So I, I always say attack the anxiety first. Okay. I always say that the antidote to ruminating in this negative self talk 
is doing. Would you say that's an antidote to procrastination as well? I absolutely would say that. You have great quotes. You have, so can you explain you have great why, statements and great quotes and great teachings, by the way, Tracy? Well, you know what I love about you, Christine, is, you know, I am not a doctor. <laughs> I almost said I'm not a dentist. I'm not a doctor. I'm a lawyer. You know, I'm not a coach. I'm a student and a lifelong learner. And I have kind of come at this pronged approach to ADHD where it's all about doing and it's all about positive emotion. And what I found that was so exciting to me when I met you was how you attack procrastination to me seems to revolve also around doing and around positive emotion. I think there's a reason why we fell in love with each other so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're so positive. I just, I love it. And I would say action is the antidote to procrastination, but Action also calms our fears. So our fears sometimes are rooted in reality. And when we get into action, we kind of take care of those things that might be threatening us, that might be causing us trouble at night so that we don't sleep as much as we should. And so action is kind of like the all-in-one solution. Everything that you do is, and I'm talking about your Facebook group, I'm talking about your your business page, I'm talking about everything that I see that you create is so specific and direct and actionable and, you know, graphically, I I told you this, your aesthetic, I just love it. But I love it because it's so simple what you request of people. And when you look at it, you don't get overwhelmed. You're like, I can do that. So I just really want to point out that if this is something that you're struggling with, and I'm I'm talking to the listener here, look Christine Lee up because you really can get so far just following what it is that you're requesting people to do and how you are, what, what you're teaching them and how you teach. It's so, it's really, really good. And I'm not just saying that because you're here speaking with me. I was just so attracted to Thank you so much. You I want to remind everyone, you made me think of, of one thing is that small steps matter. We haven't really said that today. And Action is great, but small steps can be the best (laughs) that if you do enough of them, you're going to get really far and you're going to get really good at what you're trying to get good at. So uh, thank you, Tracy, for your comments about my work. And I was joking to Tracy that I have never felt overly terribly confident about what I put out there, but I'm starting to get really nice feedback and it's all small steps. Well, I think the last thing you should do if you're teaching students how to overcome procrastination yeah. is throw more crap on them. That. Yeah, and right? there's only so much I can put out uh, in any given week, and I need to have that patience with myself and that pacing as well. We have to we have to go by what we teach as well. So there are weeks when I am just silent on Instagram and Facebook, and there are other weeks when I'm feeling really like I want to be playing in there and engaging with people. And I, I do hope it's enough. I do hope your listeners will follow along there. And I welcome everybody to come join me. So where can people find you and what should they do if they're interested in working with you? I am on Facebook and Instagram as Procrastination Coach. I have a Facebook group that is closed, so no one will know that you're in there. And uh, I invite you to follow me there. I also have a gift for your listeners. So that's a, a really direct way to work in quotes with me. It's 
a 12 item <laughs> library of resources. So I call it the free resource library. And all you have to do is text the word free library, one word, no space, to the number 44222. Sure. Perfect. Can you yeah, repeat that again? To the Where number 44222, the word free library with no space. And if that is all too confusing for you and or you're driving, just go to Instagram and go to my profile and you can get that through the link in my profile there. Procrastination And what coach. is your profile again? Oh, okay. So everything's procrastination it's, coach. It's See, you been, make it so simple. It's been simple. a nice journey to this this online work and meeting people from all around the world. You you know how it is. And feeling like we can have an impact because we're sharing something that's personal and that means something to us and that we know can be really helpful to people. I think it's really just a blessing to be able to do this. Well, thank you, Christine. I just, as I said, I just love everything you do and you inspire me to do more and to do better and, and to do smaller. That's, that's really the key here to me is those, it is those small steps because we can all well, do one of them you, every single Tracy, day. Thank you, Tracy, for inviting me here, for hosting me here, for being my friend and for inspiring so many powerful women to be their best selves. I think your work is amazing. I'm inspired by you and I'm probably going to do a podcast because of you. So thank you for what you, what you taught me. <laughs> you have to do a podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Christine. That is what I have for you, um, for you all this week. As always, you are listening to ADHD for Smart Ass Women. If you've been listening to me for a while, I would really appreciate a review. It's not hard to do. You don't even have to write anything. If you're on iTunes podcast platform, just scroll down to the bottom. You can click on the stars. That is all you have to do. And if you'd like to know more about me, our patent pending cartography system that teaches you how to figure out which of your many interests you that you have is the one that you should actually pursue. Or if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, please go to my website, tracyoutsuka.com. You can also reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.